Welcome to episode 26 of Super States, Practices of Transformation with me, your host, Joshua Peters. Super States explores the overlap of trans states and all the ways you can use that to access personal or professional growth. In each episode, we talk to world-class experts, to industry leaders, and to revolutionary thinkers who share the latest information, tools, and their own personal stories to inspire you on your journey. This week, I talk with Gabriel Kazan. Gabriel is an author and a transformational coach who's passionate about guiding men to discover their purpose and conquer their fears. He's got a unique approach on men's work and personal growth, and he shares it all in this episode. Ready to learn the power of men's work? Stay tuned for the transformational power of men's work with Gabriel Kazan. Uh, welcome to Super States. I am here with Gabriel Kazan. Uh, Gabriel, excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. Great to be here and looking forward to connecting. Awesome. Uh, Gabriel, why don't you tell us what it is that you do and, and how that makes a difference for people's lives? Uh, well, that's a great question. I lead transformation inside of what I sometimes jokingly call my truth-telling business, because when we actually get right inside the pocket, that's really all we're doing is getting really raw and real with the truth. Uh, whether we call it therapy or coaching, these days it's coaching because it's future-focused, but my toolkit includes therapeutic tools. So we cover, cover that ground too. Uh, and typically I work with married men, raising kids, uh, most often business owners, executives and founders who are, you know, feeling that trifecta of insanity of being a dad, mm. being the husband and being the leader in their work and somehow <laughs> needing to find a way to keep it all going. Um, yeah. I resonate with that, Gabriel. <laughs> Share with us uh, how you got to this point. So maybe your kind of like your your backstory. Uh, well, good question. I, I was in, I was a therapist for six years, and I ran men's groups uh, on the side for that for three years straight. And so I really got into the form of men's work and group work and getting inside of like the pain that men are in and the quiet and silent struggles that many men deal with. Uh, so that became a passion. And at some point I realized I wanted to uh, deliver more transformation and I needed in, in order to do that to expand into the coaching game uh, because therapy mm. tends towards looking at trauma and problems. And the trouble with focus is that whatever you focus on, you get more of. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> with coaching, we very much intentionally create uh, goals and visions um, and really stick to the methods uh, that are optimized in terms of leadership to get there and to make that happen, to address the obstacles seen and unseen. Uh, and so that's, that's how, and, 
and why I ended up now doing this uh, and way more fulfilled too with the future focused work and feels like a full expression of the toolkit of transformation. Yeah, I, I, again, I resonate with, with what you're doing. It's so important. As you said, what you focus on is what you get. So let's focus on what you want <laughs> on, on, on the future. Now, uh, you know, we talk a lot about altered states and, and personal growth, professional growth. Tell us some of the ways that you use these kinds of states to, uh, to transform. Well, that's a, you know, great. I mean, the first place most people think of is plant medicine, right? Like magic mm -hmm. mushrooms or ayahuasca or peyote, like, and those, we, we can get to those. But before we do, I want to acknowledge that the way I see it, um, so many of our mundane day-to-day -day things also are altered states, you know, like when yeah. I go to jujitsu once a week, I'm in an altered state, not nothing, you know, rational makes sense. I'm in this primal place of just grinding yeah. and sweating and, and trying to survive and not get choked out. And I, you know, it awakens all those chemicals too. So when I was training to become a therapist, also uh, as an art therapist, which is one of the disciplines I studied, there's this, Okay. I mean, there's tons of theory around the intersection of art soul work and and therapy because they both have that inner life expression thing uh but at some point someone pointed out that just making art just just making art is a psychotic experience because you're on purpose kind of leaving the world behind and whether you're writing and going into a your imagination or you're creating an image or an object you kind of go into crazy obsessive altered state just just by being yeah. you know willing to create and make a mess <laughs> so i also want to acknowledge those gateways on the on the path towards talking about actual plant medicine integration um which For seems sure. to be the holy grail of like the leading edge of this psychedelic res renaissance or whatever you want to say we're in um and it's it's exciting it's exciting times to to see these master plant spirit medicines come back uh, into our modern world and create huge pattern interrupts for people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but as, but as you say, there's so many different ways, right. To, uh, to access these types of States, whether it is like jujitsu, whether it's dancing, whether it's m listening to music, creating art, like there's so many ways to, create an altered state that it isn't just that you need a plant medicine to your point. Yeah, exactly. And, and yet there's a great hunger. And one of the elders I used to listen to a lot used to say, when I asked him to define addiction, he talked about, well, like what his elders and medicine people used to say is that it's a primary human need to change your consciousness. Um, you know, to, to just for a moment, remove any shame around addiction or alcohol or anything like, and all that we think clinically how it should be. It's like as human beings, yeah, to be only seeing one reality becomes intolerable. We, we need state change. We need to master state change. Yeah. We need to be able to know how to do this. Um, and 
So yeah, the plant, the plant spirit medicines are, are big wake up calls for doing that in a like way that kind of beyond language <laughs> and we can do yeah. our best. <laughs> yeah. And when you're, as you're doing your men's work, do you incorporate any, uh, maybe not the plant medicines, but are you incorporating any of these uh, state change techniques or technologies with, with your uh, clients? Uh, well, absolutely. Like, I mean, there are times live on the call, especially if we're in a, a zoom room or something where, you know, just like in a, in a martial arts experience, what we're actually dealing with is energy intent. Um, and so if things get energetically kind of downshifted and, and sort of slumped and collapsed uh, somatically, then sometimes I might, you know, challenge someone to stand up, do some wall push-ups, or move around, you know, and just get into mm. their body, get into their breath, do some yeah. breath work, or even if somebody's really anxious or in their in their head about all that's up here, then we'll take a pause and we'll do five minutes of breath work and and just drop into the body and and really listen to that body mind link and say, okay, what's my body telling me? Where's the tension? and uh, try and decode what the message is there. So, I mean, those are the kind of go-tos. Um, and I mean, yeah, but I, I haven't really been, other than somatic integration, I'm not, I haven't really integrated plant medicine usage in my business other than supporting people mm -hmm. to prepare for their own journeys. And then, you know, when they return, sure. bringing it home. Cause I noticed some people will get into going to ayahuasca ceremonies, but have an absence of places where they can actually integrate what just happened yeah. and what they saw and what they were shown. And then it's kind of back to the grind on Monday. And then how, how do you, right. how do you, you know, integrate that? And so I, I find somatic um, body centered uh, practice to be the best way to really bring it into the body and, and make the change stick. I like that. And, and I, I noticed that too. And it doesn't have to be just with plant medicine, but any kind of big experience, we, we tend to put that in this box of big, big experience, whatever it was. And then life is over here, which doesn't necessarily get to, to take the learnings that you got from that big experience. Yeah. What would you say has changed the most about your work from when you first started till now? Uh, well, I think I'm just way more direct with the truth telling and, you know, going through years as a therapist, there's a, there's a bias towards passivity and just listening deeply and not, there's almost a taboo in therapy around giving advice or giving direction. It's like a, you're just there to hold this container, this loving, warm place, which, you know, it's kind of like therapy is a place to go to put your wound in a cup of warm water. Like there it is. Uh, it feels better. You know, <laughs> there's just this unconditionally loving space, which is essential and yeah. wonderful. Uh, but nowadays, um, especially with men, what we actually need is to be confronted, especially on the places where we're passive or undecided. And so we need to go mm -hmm. into those decision making areas where there's fear and there's uncertainty 
and and like hit it head on. So now I'm listening for those places and I'm going to pull the thread of that and say, let's go there. Let's, let's, let's make a decision, you know, in that place that you're most afraid of. <laughs> yeah. I, I noticed from my own life, that's always the places that the growth is in is those places that there's fear. Yeah. And if I remember right from looking at the cover of your book, that has a lot to do with what your book is about as well. Is that correct? Yeah. The subtitle is Unclench from Fear and Step into yeah. Your Power, Backbone, Heart, and Balls. And I love obviously that. Obviously, it's a book for men. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's very much about that embodied access of potency uh, and power and decision making. Um, which runs down a man's midline, like if we we're looking at the the body. Um, and yeah. you know, you do need all. We do need all three of those. We need backbone. We need to set limits. We need to face our fears, and we need we need our balls. We need to look at all the places we gave our balls away and get them back. Um, and of course, the heart being the sort of central compass in navigating all of it, um, and and knowing what we want, knowing, yeah. The, the desire piece becomes way more about the coaching and the vision. And, you know, what do you want? That's yeah. what I like to say is the million dollar question with my clients is like, ultimately, what do you want? What do you want? And, and often there's a freeze response. Like, you mean I can have what I want? <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> so apart from running a truth telling business, I also joke that I am just here to give permission. I'm just here to hold yeah. this container, go into the fear and then say, yep, you know, hey, bro, give yourself permission, rise up and you can face that fear. And it's not as scary as you thought or take that action and or stop lying to yourself. Um, and then and then the breakthroughs come, you know, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but that's where <laughs> that's where. Yeah, no, it's I'm curious if you find a theme with your clients like what what's their biggest uh, block or, or challenge that they might be facing um well usually my uh the pattern i noticed was that guys were coming to me when the relationship was uh up in the air and they were mm -hmm. sometimes being faced with an ultimatum like either you fix this or it's a divorce so now I'm talking a lot um, in my outward facing messaging about preventing divorce and, you know, the five steps mm -hmm. that I've come up with to, to prevent divorce for married men who um, need to master their marriage. And a lot of that has to do with masculine communication and not only leading their life in the areas where the assumption is, yes, you have to lead here, you have to create, but, but not neglecting the relationship and, and, uh, also leading there um and yeah you know the correlation between the bedroom and the boardroom it's all backbone heart and balls it's all about presence and commu clear communication and uh expressing that desire and you know having the willingness to follow through and execute um so yeah in, in terms of like whether it's health wealth or relationships my yeah. What I've discovered is my my real zone of genius is the relationship uh, zone because that's the pain 
uh, that I can most immediately help men resolve. And then the funny thing is once they get those ahas and like, oh, okay, now the relationship's better, but now, uh, now they realize that they're working with me for themselves, not just to fix the relationship, but to grow as a man more into yeah. their deeper purpose um, and to, you know, know what they want and have that clarity. And I, so your book is Alive on Purpose. Can you tell us what you could expect to get from your book? Uh, well, it's, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a workbook for men to look at what's mm -hmm. my purpose and, um, how do I blast through my fears? And I, I had one reader tell me it's like a whole coaching program unto itself. Cause it's, it's, a, you know, you mm. work through it and, and, um, purpose, power, and courage are, are the, the three kind of edges of the spear tip. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And that has been my experience, uh, that when men are aligned with their purpose, they know who they are and what they want. That's how I define purpose. Uh, mm -hmm. then they become bulletproof and they become unstoppable. Um, the trouble is sometimes in life we'll complete a cycle of, of our purpose. And then we have to face the unknown and face some new purpose and be willing to kind of get a white belt and say, okay, I'm, this is now where I'm facing and start something new, <laughs> yeah. um, which it can be scary because we can have a sunk cost in our investment of who we think we are until those, you know, midlife crises hit or whatever. And we have to face something we haven't been willing to look at. Uh, so that's the best time mm -hmm. to dig our shovels into the ground and say, okay, well, what's my purpose now, you know, and just open, open up to that great mystery and, and start getting some new direction. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of men's coaches out there and you see all different types of, of them, right? You, you see a lot of, uh, I got, I think of them as like, like bro coaches, like the bro, uh, masculine kind of coaching. Uh, and then you, you see people that are just really focused on doing. So what would you say? I know you said relationships is your kind of zone of genius, but what is your, what is different about how you work with men than some of these others? Um, well, I don't know anyone doing things exactly the way I do it because I've woven together such a unique uh, personal um, collection of disciplines uh, we go deep and I like to get them to get my clients to look at the four domains of finance, uh, faith, family, and fitness and how mm -hmm. they all reinforce each other. And they keep a man on axis in his center, uh, especially the fitness, you know, more and more that's becoming a focus, even though I'm not, I'm not a fitness coach. I'm just, I just know that where it all comes home is in the body. That's where we encounter yeah. the fears. We, you know, we can get our head in our heads about our story. Um, but when I go to the gym and I sweat it out and twist it out and lift and push, <laughs> then I'm going to, I have this homecoming. I sometimes call the gym, my church. Uh, sometimes mm. I can understand why the rock Dwayne Johnson calls it the iron paradise because mm -hmm. in, you know, in my twenties and thirties, I was just a yogi. I did, just did yoga. And, but, but at some point, especially in my forties, you have to work the tissue 
or you lose it. Yeah. Right? With muscle tissue, right. it's use it or lose it. So I've fallen in love with the smell of of steel on my palms from the barbells, you know, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm getting it. I'm like, Oh, now I know why people get really into gym, the gym. Um, so the fitness is one piece, but the other deepest uh, of the deep end in terms of men's work, in my experience is what I call father work. And mm. so I walk the men I work with through a series of processes and guided visualizations and, and inner journaling work, uh, looking at their own relationship with their dad. Uh, mm -hmm. and if you want to get a group of men in a room, uh, getting real, really quick, you do a go around around the circle and ask every man to tell them the other man about their father, <laughs> because every man has some unfinished business with his dad and, and, because there's always a mix of gold and garbage. There's the gold, there's the blessings, the things we receive, the love. But to tease that apart from the garbage, like the, the places where needs didn't get met or he wasn't there, or, you know, whatever it is, sometimes there's a lot of father anger too, or, or sure. father hunger or any combination thereof. So guys get real and then they realize, you know, that there's a lot in there. And um, there's one exercise you can do with a group of men where, when you introduce each other, uh, you can start by saying your name and also that you are the son of and say your dad's first name. And just that yeah. alone shifts it. Oh, like I'm, you know, John, son of Peter or, you know, because guys yeah. will get real and then some emotions come up. But um, walking through the process with me, we look at what's there energetically, um, because often it's a place of permission giving, of blessing uh, and a place where a man finds more inner authority as a creator, as a businessman, as a father himself uh, for him to show up more potently. Uh, so that's kind of one, one thing I don't know anyone else doing. Um, and it's a process I inherited from some of my own mentors um, to just sure. go really deep. And they say brotherhood is the balm of the balm, the healing balm of where, yeah, any father wounds still live. You know, we need uh, that band of brothers or that that um, coach or mentor who can kind of walk us through that that place. Uh, and it can't be our wives and it can't be women. It, it can't be children. It, men need to be each other's brothers in this way and uh, work out that stuff. And then the, the results on the other side, time and time again, the guys who are my clients say that that's been the most powerful. Uh, thing of all the things they've done with me is to go deep into the father work and come out the other side yeah. with all these insights and, and also feel like that, that line of a thousand men behind you who are your ancestors, who are your, your dad mm -hmm. and his and grandfathers and feel like they've got your back. Cause when you feel that ancestral blessing, it's a kind of a great shortcut to have your own back, which is the reason a lot of men hold themselves back because they don't back yeah. themselves and say like, I'm going to choose me. I'm going to bet on me and I'm going to go all in, you know, on whatever they're creating. Um, so right. yeah, the, the, the ripple effect uh, of that work is just so huge in business and in relationship both. Yeah, I can, I can see how that would be extremely powerful. Like even just the fact of having that band of brothers, like you're talking about, like it is, it's vital for men to have other men in their lives. And I know for myself, there were years when I couldn't 
be real with other men and just would had been shut off. So I'm grateful that I have circles like that now. Yeah. And I had that moment when I first joined a men's group, I realized I didn't trust men. I looked around the room and I was like, I said that I said, I don't feel like I trust you guys. I don't trust men in general. And then, you know, I, you know, the, the process was every man put his hand up because he could relate to me. And, (laughs) you know, and that's a great insight, but the actual insight didn't pay off until I months later uh, got the quantum leap from it, which I realized that the, that my reflection of not trusting men was a hologram of not trusting myself. Mm, And then I was like, Oh, okay. I get it now. Cause I was confronting my learned helplessness. All I didn't know about growing my business about whatever I was up to. And then I started trusting myself and that, that X factor of self-trust is like such a game changer in personal or professionally. It's, it's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Vital lesson. One, one I'm still learning. Yeah. (laughs) Trusting in yourself. Right. What would you say is the most misunderstood aspect of men's work? Um, that's a great question. Um, well, I guess I can only talk from and into my experience at this moment because sure. I feel like men's work is such a generic term of men, you know, doing some inner work, some inner looking mm-hmm. to become a better man. Like let's for the moment define it that way. And whether sure. you're doing that, you know, in nature or with horses or with plant medicine or there's no right or wrong, you know, or, you know, just with a racquetball, whatever. Um, I feel like inside of those groups, there also can become a, a culture of victimhood. And there's a, when I ran those groups for three years, what I realized is there's a difference between a support group and transformational leadership. And the shadow of a support group is that it's going to um, reaffirm all of your hurts and wounds and, and victim stories, but it may also keep you entangled in them and not right. moving forward. It's like, it's okay. You know, kind of AA is the perfect example of if you only get through that and then stay in that, and that becomes your new identity as a victim or a survivor. Um, right then you don't actually get that push to raise your standard, to follow your vision, to trust yourself and, you know, actually get the breakthroughs uh, around becoming fully expressed in your purpose, whatever, whatever that is for, for that man. So, yeah, I feel like there are stages and also the, just the, the challenging mirror of men's work, because you can have a group of men in a room with completely polar opposite issues um, which is a blessing, you know, to see, see that some guys need to slow, slow the F down um, <laughs> and other guys need to wake the F up, you know? And yeah. so that's also the blessing. But I, I think the generic term men's work, it's vague because you get men's groups who are doing all this raw, raw, primal warrior like stuff. And that's great. And then you get a, a, another end of the spectrum is a lot of guys who, who are just sitting around and wanting a safe space to speak from their heart. And it's like, there's no right or wrong, you know, there's no right yeah. or wrong. It's just whatever that man needs at that time is the thing he should mm. kind of look for. 
and um, make sure he's aligned because you can get stuck in one of those uh, support groups for too long and lose sight of like why, what you're wanting in the first place. If you, if you don't say, okay, uh, this is where I'm going. Yeah. So what I'm hearing out of all that is there, there's just so many different ways to, that men need to be supported or might want to be supported uh, that you find what way works best for you. And the other thing that occurs to me is this is just human. This is human group. <laughs> Although we're putting, we're putting the you know, the men, men have their own set of challenges, just like women have their own set of challenges, but we're all humans and we all have human challenges as well. Yeah. And I think there's also a great taboo around men and, uh, anger mm -hmm. uh, or even just men uh, doing this type of work. It, I think when it first came up in the late eighties and nineties, when Robert Bly wrote iron John, mm -hmm. the mainstream media very much um, parodied it and made it into a joke. Like, Oh yeah. A bunch of guys who were running around naked in the woods, banging on a drum. It's like, and uh, so, yeah, it's it's easy to see it as a cliche, um, but until you're you know down on your knees in that sweat lodge confronting your pain, and someone's pouring the water, and there's steam, and you're you're really you know releasing some something awful and old, uh, you won't know the blessing of actually going into those scary places um, and doing that kind of work. Uh, and um, yeah, I think also it, there's something about containment and release and, you know, keeping the mess of men's work uh, contained enough so that men feel like they can really open up and go deep and then come mm -hmm. out, you know, a clean, clear, fierce, better man. If there is a man listening to this podcast who's kind of in that space that you're that you're talking about, who's been holding themselves back or, you know, in whatever way, what would, what's the first step that they could do to start moving past their own fear? Um, get out of self-isolation because I think the number one killer, and I use that word on purpose uh, for men is self-isolation. It can be a killer. If you look at the suicide rates, um, even guys who are a quote unquote success can feel really isolated. Um, family men, married men, raising kids can, can be together with their wife and family, but feel totally alone in their actual struggle and their decision-making. Uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, just connection itself, like just reaching out to that brother, that old friend, uh, who you haven't talked to in years can be an amazing first step. And, uh, yeah, I'd say that's, that's one thing. And then, you know, getting interested in it. I, I've had guys come to me um, for to do a bit of work together and then thank me months later because I opened them up to this world of this movement of men coming together and working yeah. this field. Uh, and there are so many sub groups, uh, you know, leading edge inside of men's work. And having conversations like this one on a podcast and hearing someone share uh, 
what opened them up and how they got through their their dark night of soul um that's also happening you know all the time is this yeah. the river's always going all you got to do is step into it and go okay yeah um and and face your fears of coming out of your self-isolation and and taking off the the mask if you you know the trouble with it joshua is that um you know psychology has always had a fascination with this dichotomy between the true inner self and the false self like this is this is stuff they've been writing about for 100 years and this yeah you know but these days it's even more confusing because we don't just have that classic true self false self but there's the digital facade <laughs> mm, right how many times have you seen someone you know post a picture of themselves on the beach with the sunset looking like paradise but you know that that person's going through like that the hell week of the worst week of their life or whatever <laughs> so yeah i think looking around the digital facade of how we present ourselves and everyone seeking the holy grail of authenticity um, but then wearing the false self mask of look at how authentic I am. Um, it's, a, <laughs> yeah. it's a crazy yeah. world, like the, the social media world. But I feel like there's also like God is in the algorithm. And, and if you're looking, um, you will find what you're looking for. And it'll, it might even come to you, you know, through the noise. <laughs> and you'll hear yeah. the signal through the noise. <laughs> When you're uh, when you're looking for inspiration, where do you uh, where do you go? Like, do you have a, a mentor, role model? Um, I follow a, a series of people and influencers who just speak to me. And I mean, I, it's hard to pick any specific one. I mean, I got really into Ben Hardy's books this year. Ten X is easier than two X. Uh, mm -hmm. And I love his work on transformational leadership. Uh, and right now I'm in the middle of listening to the audio book by Dan Martell on buy back your time. Yeah. So, that one has been coming up a lot for me too. Yeah. So it's mostly like CEO stuff uh, because I'm in my business initiation. Like that's, that's the initiation I'm in. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and like some guys are going through the, you know, relationship initiation or the, you know, getting your health back initiation. Um, but for me, that's my leading edge is I'm figuring out how to do this thing better called business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you envision the future of, uh, of the, of these types of men's groups? Uh, what's given you hope about, what you're creating, what you're seeing getting expressed out there? Uh, I, th I think it's not only men doing the initiatory work of, of getting real with each other and um, mm -hmm. raising the standards and uh, going all in on, on their commitments. Uh, but the downstream is creating spaces for youth, uh, for mm rites of passage before i launched my business i kind of got it backwards actually i started a nonprofit in 2018 with the mission of restoring rites of passage for male youth mm -hmm. and i ran a camp and it was great um and i want to do more of it and i'm going to come back to that i still have people in my community who are running those types of uh groups for youth and i think that's 
I mean, for me, I went through a very deep, dark night of the soul when I was 18. And it set me on a path of being a seeker. Um, but mm -hmm. if we're going to recover some sanity in our world, we need to empower young men to get on the path early and know that so much of what they're being sold and told is a lie and yeah. uh, to connect with the right mentorship. So, yeah, I love seeing organizations do that when they when they're also creating like father son weekends um, or or any type of mentorship rites of passage place for for male youth to to you know wrestle together wrestle into the questions of what is what is a man and what is a warrior and what what you know how do we figure this out and um so yeah. that's kind of i see the evolution of it is mm -hmm. is uh just changing culture change you know and uh on on that front and empowering each other as brothers but also looking out for the ones coming up after us talk about altered states like that's got to be one of the most powerful ways to uh to create a, a change in someone's outlook on themselves is to go through that kind of initiatory process like you're talking about for a, a for a young person instead of what you and i had to do which is hit the wall i mean i'll talk maybe i'll talk about myself hit the wall and then and then realize i don't want to hit the wall again yeah. What do I, what can I do to not hit that wall? And then, and, and then still hit the wall, but I had a little bit more tools. <laughs> that's right. You're going to hit the wall regardless. Pain yeah. is inevitable. It's the suffering that's optional. That's how I like to say it. Yeah. But yeah. And I think that's a part of the alchemy of stepping back. I got two sons now, four and 10 and mm -hmm. letting them learn the lessons and make the mistakes and uh, hurt themselves from time to time is something I'm learning to do. And then, you know, I'll be there for them. Uh, but yeah, the parenting initiation is, is the other side of it. And uh, mm -hmm. these days we're also in such an era of divorce rates that blended families are so common that figuring out how to step parent is also just as important as parenting mm, and sure. how to, how to show up and um, make it all work and do that, you know, inner gymnastics to find the right relationship, which there is no, right model for between, you know, stepkids and, and parents. And I got two bonus daughters who were in their mid twenties. And so okay. yeah, that's another thing to, to master in, in the game of family and marriage mastery. Yeah. We, we have such uh, opportunities and challenges in the way that we have, we were blending those families together, but it's, it's also leaves up, uh, creates a lot of really amazing relationships for, for people. Uh, Gabriel, if people want to learn more about you, what is the best way for them to do that? Well, uh, right now my website's still more or less under construction. So Facebook is, the platform I'm most post on so they could reach out to me there uh, and send me a message. If you want to chat, I also have started a YouTube channel named after my book called alive on purpose with Gabriel Kazan. Uh, I've got a few talks on there now and I love getting on there and, you know, jamming. And then my book alive on purpose is on Amazon. So that's a place to find it. Um, Great. I'll make sure to put links to all three of those and we'll put your website on there if it's, if it's ready yet uh, as well. 
Uh, and Gabriel, if if there was one insight that you want the audience to leave with today, what would that be? Give yourself permission. Yeah, I love that. It's been fantastic ch talking with you. Thanks so much for being on the show today.